You're listening to the Weekly Wrap-Up on Sprott Money News. Happy Friday from Sprott Money News at SprottMoney.com. It's Friday, October the 2nd. Q4 is finally upon us. This is your Weekly Wrap-Up. I am your host, Craig Hemke, and also upon us is Eric Sprott himself. Eric, good morning. Hey, Craig. Uh, very interesting developments this week, i got to tell you. A little bit of a show going on down there, but... Uh... We, we've done okay with the precious metals as the week's coming to an end here. Yeah, it actually, compared to last week, uh, I guess the bar was set pretty low. But yeah, we've had a nice week. It'll be interesting to see where we wrap up the day after the employment report. These weekly wrap-up segments are brought to you by SprottMoney.com. We want to thank all our listeners for sending in questions and comments. We always try to get to as many as we can in the time that we have. You can always listen to weekly wrap-up on YouTube, SoundCloud, Twitter, Facebook, any place you can find it. Whichever channel you prefer, be sure to subscribe, hit the like button if you enjoy listening every week, and uh, I think you'll enjoy listening this week. We've got a lot to talk about, Eric. Let's start with uh, what you've seen uh, this morning alone with the U.S. economy and the jobs report. Well, you know, i got to start with what I saw at 1 in the morning this morning, and oh, that's sure. President Trump and uh, his wife having COVID-19, which is, I don't know how we all deal with that. I'm, I'm no expert on what to think that does down there. I mean, it obviously takes him out of action. Uh, maybe it's not a bad follow-up to that debate, which was so chaotic it was a joke. Uh, maybe we can. Maybe they, he'll have a good reason for postponing those, but uh, that's, uh, it, it just brings a, a little bit to reality. And by the way, while I'm on COVID-19, I mentioned last week that uh, I thought that there was some light at the end of the tunnel in the sense that the death rate was so low. And um, there was a, a Center for Disease Control study that came out that actually documented that. And, I mean, the, the likelihood of dying, if you got COVID-19 from uh, anywhere from age zero to 50 was like 0.2%, something that low. That's, that's, that's about really equivalent cool. to the flu, by the way. Uh, now, of course, it's, it, once you're over uh, 60 and 70, it gets up to around 5% if you get it. So that's obviously the position that uh, President Trump is in. He's got a 1 in 20 chance of it not turning out well. But as one of, one of the listeners pointed out, it's not just dying. It's the, the effect, the long-lasting effects that can stay with you. Now, I don't have data on that, so I can't talk to it, but I'm certainly aware of having heard about things that happen to your heart and other organs that are more like you know, long-lived problems. So... It's uh, it's facing a uh, a new wave, if you will, here in terms of people's um, awareness. Yeah, and it just adds to the uncertainty heading into October. You know, people are always worried about the stock market in October anyway, and now there's another layer of uncertainty. We've got the election looming, everything else going out there. But Eric, you know, I, we wrapped up the fiscal year down here in the U.S. I looked at the debt clock as that was ending. We were We ran a... Budget deficit in the U.S., Eric, of $3.15 trillion. Eric, do you remember yeah. when it was like uh, $315 billion and people were going crazy? Right. Yeah, I know. It's just it's stunning. It's stunning that we're obviously in you know a huge recession, save sending checks to people. You send a check to people and they don't feel like they're in a recession, but somebody's got to pay for that, and that's your, your deficit number. And that will have to be, well, it doesn't have to be paid someday. You're either going to inflate your way out of it, i.e. don't pay it, um, or you're going to have to, you know, 
squeeze it down, raise taxes, do whatever you can do. And, and these deficits so, are so large now that even raising taxes makes no difference. Right. You know, I think the the income tax that people pay might be even less than $2 trillion. So what do you do with a $3 trillion deficit? I mean, you're going to raise taxes by 50% and change the tax rate from 2 to 3, and you've only taken care of one-third of the deficit, and everyone's paying 50% more taxes. That's not going to work. Imagine what kind of recession you would have then. So it's a real mess, and I look at the whole economy thing with the the rents that the landlords are having trouble collecting, rents that people not uh, that aren't working have trouble paying, the problems with bankruptcies of small businesses, which we're just going to continue to get worse. The whole weakness begets weakness theory that we're now in here. Uh, we had a jobs uh, number today that was kind of uh, weak, 661,000. I don't even know how they say they create all these jobs when every week I have to listen to initial, initial unemployment claims weekly of 800,000. Right. Well, you know what? If you get four weeks of those in a row, you lost 3.2 million jobs. Are you sure you created 600,000 jobs in the month? Right. Doesn't sound like it based on the unemployment insurance claim. So, uh, but you, you and the listeners know I, I'm not a great believer in um, in the unemployment numbers. I think they're all uh, miscalculated. But if you just look at the real life of what's going on day to day, there's a huge economic destruction going on every day. Yeah. Hey, I just add on that again. This is just common sense. You have 800,000 people a week, actual people actually filling out forms online or wherever and filing for unemployment claims. That's actual people doing it versus just a statistical guesswork. Which one do you believe? Yeah, right. Exactly. Oh, my God. You know the claims are real, okay? Right. <laughs> you know those are real. Right. Uh, by the way, I should mention, you mentioned quarter end and the deficit. And, and the thing I found most uh, telling about the quarter end, first of all, you know, I'm a huge skepticist of the real profitability of banks and then the honesty of that profitability. We'll talk about the $920 million settlement with J.P. Morgan in a second. But right. uh, I'm always amazed that these banks seem to make their numbers. And miraculously, how did you do it? Well, it was trading revenue. Well, what the hell were you trading? Stocks did nothing in the quarter. Bonds did nothing in the quarter. The currency was flat in the quarter. Well, how do you guys make so much money? Well, you know, we, we cheat our customers on a regular basis. And um, as we moved into September 30th, I found it most instructive that all those options that those banks had to sell to the Robin Hood guys and, and the guy from Japan, all those options became valueless at quarter end. All the shorts uh, that they had in the precious metals <clears throat> became less onerous on uh, September 30th particularly silver, that very conveniently fell a dollar yes, that it did. day. Yes, it did. For no apparent reason, okay? Yep. And so when these guys were probably short at 16 or $17, and the price had been, let's say, 28 or 29 had some huge losses. By closing it sort of at 23 or in the 22s, you know, they cut that loss in half. And I'm the guy who's least surprised by silver bouncing back on the 1st of October, right. and maybe the 2nd exactly. of October and the rest of October, because you know what? They got it down, the price down for their own convenience. Right. They needed to mark so, their own and, books. And even in, in the currencies, you know, they, the, the banks were, uh, were uh, long the dollar, and all the hedge funds were short the dollar, and voila, the dollar rallies right in the quarter end. 
and of course so now it's fading again. So, you know, I just I just believe, and of course we've seen this in in the J.P. Morgan um, uh, court case that the traders can make things happen in the market because of their 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 power and their ability to cheat the system, right. to make the system work for them in terms of pricing. Right. Um, and, and of course, talking about J.P. Morgan, by the way, it, and I want to tell everyone, it's not just spoofing, my friends, okay? That uh, decision did not mention just spoofing, but the manipulation of the metals generally, which is by far the bigger issue. And as uh, Ted Butler, who I read regularly, has explained, you know, if you ever convicted J.P. Morgan of moving the price of gold and silver around for the amount that it's been moved around, you'd have to knock them out of business for what they've done. You'd mm-hmm. have to cease cease being in the metal and cease being in the banking business, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. I think this is like their fifth, uh, what, what do they call the charge? Uh, I, I don't know if you call it a criminal charge. I don't want to use the wrong word, but uh, the fifth time that the Department of the Justice has had to say to them, will you stop manipulating foreign currencies, right. the bond LIBOR. market, LIBOR, now precious metals. Is there something you don't? Is there Sorry, some please. other thing that we should be looking Oh, they did natural gas, too, and oil, I think. Right. You know, it's just unbelievable what they get away with. How are, um, how are they still a primary dealer? Shouldn't they be knocked off I that know. pedestal for a while, seeing as how they were I manipulating know. treasuries, too? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I sh- uh, Ted Butler wrote a very interesting article on Wednesday, and I, I, it will be interesting to see how it plays out. And I give him full credit for, one, uh, writing to the Department of Justice all the time saying J.P. Morgan are crooks, his word. He said, in fact, he says it in every report he ever writes, uh, and he, surprisingly he hasn't been sued. Um, but what he suggested is because uh, the spoofing was trying to spoof the HFTs into doing things, that now that you can't spoof and are not likely to spoof, which I believe they are not likely to spoof because they're they are under, a, I think, a three-year, um, I forget what the word is for it, but they, they better not break the law, um, that now that the HFTs can get control of the market again, uh, which is also a bad thing, by the way, yeah. Department of Justice, um, that we're going to see more volatility in the precious metal prices, that the HFTs now get to run free. Uh, but I think, and I agree with Ted, ultimately it's going to be for our betterment because the data that we look at is suggesting uh, that the supply demand for both metals is in our favor and getting better all the time. Well, that would so be we nice. we have that to look forward to. Yeah, yeah, you know, I guess lost in all this, though, Eric, is it's not just J.P. Morgan. We've had Scotiabank get fined for. We had the Deutsche Bank traders get convicted just last weekend or last week. I mean, this is across all the bullion banks. You just wonder if somebody else isn't just picking up the baton. I would rather doubt it. I mean, let's face it, the DOJ, uh, the CFTC have found a way to unlock these things, which it took them a long time to figure out. I mean, they had three investigations into silver over the last decade and found nothing. And all of a sudden, the DOJ comes along Oh, there was something. Yeah. yeah, and of course they pat each other on the back for finding it. Are you got to be kidding me, CFTC? Take no credit for that. You guys are useless. Yeah, we should move on. Um, hey, and while we're on the subject, before we move on to the stocks, uh, a lot of people asking this week, and I'm asking because I don't, I don't even know. Shouldn't this lead to more 
class action lawsuits, not just from investors, as you mentioned with Ted Butler talking about people that have lost money over the years. How about these mining companies? I mean, how many billions and billions of dollars have they lost in selling their product because of this? I mean, wouldn't you think this would open the floodgates? Well, the way it's been described so far, particularly with the emphasis on spoofing, it's, it sounds like such an intraday thing, you know, like it's for, the, for five minutes I arranged for this to move that way and that to move this way. Uh, nobody's really gotten to the proof of, hey, you guys took the price of silver from 50 down to 15 over a long period of time. That's a. I think it's tough to prove it factually, and it's been. I think you know there are lawsuits ongoing. Uh, some of them have been tossed, but I think some might still be going on. I think I've read about some he- even here in Canada. Yeah. But I think it's a tough case to prove. To and, and, and of course, for... I'd, I'd love to be in it. I mean, I'm one of the yeah. most affected people in the yeah. world with the goings-on in um, precious metal prices and, and the potential losses and, and, and just the waiting for, you know, waiting for Godot, yeah. for the price of gold and silver to go up to where they should be. I mean, it's been a long wait so far. We're into our 20th year. But before we get to earnings reports, okay. I want to talk about a couple of things that are happening on the CME. All right, lay it on And me. the first one is the October nominations for delivery, 30, 000, over 30,000 contracts, 90-plus tons. That is a big number. And f- further to that, as, for example, I looked at yesterday, just yesterday, we, we picked up 1,400 contracts in open interest after 8,400 contracts were either delivered or EFP'd. We picked up 1,400 of open interest. And those, the 8,400 comes off the open interest, other things being equal. So these guys, are, they're not getting off these open interest contracts. Same with silver. Uh, silver, uh, for example, yesterday, uh, we had added during the day, just yesterday, 435,000 ounces of new demands for deliveries. And it's not even a delivery month. That's uh, 14 tons of silver yesterday. Yeah. So I think there's lots of good data coming out showing that people are standing in there for delivery. And it and, and, and it's going to bode very well. I've even noticed November, which is certainly not a delivery month. It's starting to build already. And, I mean, I don't suspect we'll do anything like November. But then again, we have December with 400,000 open contracts here. Right. So that's, uh, that will be a very interesting one. And so the, I think the, the, the CME is coming around with all these physical deliveries they had, people buying the ETS. There's a lot. And imagine if some of these... Oh, yeah, some of these countries come back in Dubai, and one of them that is coming back in Dubai is India. India bought something like 30-odd tons in the month of uh, September, I think it was. It might have been August, but they're, they're – no, it was September, I'm pretty sure. Uh, but I've – and that, now the, uh, the premiums in, um, in India are back on, so that every day now they can be big-time buyers. And, you know, the, the Indians have an incredible market where they just wait for these corrections in price. And then they just charge in. So that would be, they are always the number one consumer of gold. So if they come back into the market, I think it uh, holds a lot of promise for us. Yeah. And, you know, I might just add, um, when we're talking about October and gold deliveries, October usually the lightest of the six months by far, because the interest usually shifts straight from August into December and skips by October. And so to have 30,000 contracts standing when it went off the board is Un- extremely unusually high. And I might add, too, that October open interest, because it shifts, 
was I don't think it was ever more than 65,000 contracts. And so we've got 30,000 yeah. of those standing. Yeah, I know. Sure makes amazing. you wonder what December is yeah. going to look like. Yeah. And and as I say, I mean, the open niche is not going down, but the deliveries are still there, right? Yeah. So you, normally you'd think the open <laughs> niches would go down as you're making, let's say they make 30,000 tons of deliver, uh, contracts of deliveries this uh this month, which are which can stand for delivery. Well, what if the open interest doesn't go down by thirty thousand? What if it just stays where it is? Yeah. Wow. That's right. How'd That's you right. like to be facing that if right. you're short these things? All right, let's move on uh, to some of the shares, Eric. And, and, and I mentioned earlier, this is kind of a quiet time. We're going to start getting a lot of uh, production reports uh, next week. We'll start moving into earnings reports at the last week of October into early November. But for now, it's real quiet. And so when I was rattling off names for Eric. Uh, things like Oryx and Silver One and Spanish Mountain and and some of the other names that have been Bonterra is another one. All these co- there's just really nothing new to talk about. Uh, we're yeah. waiting to get more interesting news, but I I know there's a couple that we can address, Eric. But first, uh, let's get to in general. Again, it's those production reports that we'll start to see next week. Yeah, and not that – I don't think the production reports will be spectacular. I mean, they'll be better in the second quarter because of COVID-19. But I think there's still impacts of COVID-19 with some of those major companies that have mines all around the world. Um, but, you know, we know the price is up nicely in the quarter. Uh, we know that production will be much better in the third than the second. And I really think when we get to the earnings uh, reports. That's when we'll see the biggest delta uh, for investors. So that's all forthcoming here. We haven't had much in the way of drilling reports. I mean, there's uh, three or four companies that I'm involved in, including bon- Bonterra, that came up with a good result. Uh, a company called Galway had some interesting drill results. Suma Silver did. Uh, Grand Portage did. Uh, I don't know that any of them are uh, needle-moving things until the sentiment in precious metals improves. And of course, the sentiment will be a function of, of the price of the products going up. And I think as we move into this quarter, now that we got quarter end out of the way, that it will look much better. Uh, I mentioned last Friday that there was a presentation that Ken Conkin was making to the Denver Gold Show. Yep. He's with Tudor Gold, and I, that I hadn't seen at that point in time. I've subsequently listened to it, and uh, I very much enjoyed the presentation. I have no doubt that the gold storm zone that uh, they're they're drilling is is going to be in the 10 to 20 million ounce area for sure, and the new zone called the PS2, um, he sort of suggested that it has as much possibility as gold storm, so uh, there's not enough drilling to prove anything. But he's had some initial results drilling up there. He's put three holes in it, but uh, I think as they move into the uh, uh, southwest and northwest, they're hoping to hit, get things like Goldstorm, if not better. So that that's pretty good. Uh, a company, Teuton, which I'm involved with and have mentioned here before, they came out with some drilling on one of their properties called the Del Norte property that Decade Resources is doing. Look good. And it'll be interesting to see some of these companies who have these huge tracts of land up in what we call the Golden Triangle of BC, but huge tracts of land where you know, it's called the Golden Triangle because so many huge mines have been found up there. So if uh, some of these other properties can come to life, uh, it could be pretty exciting for all the people in the Treaty Creek. Um, and 
I guess I'm closing in terms of companies. I mean, I, I sort of say, well, you know, I'm very comfortable just living with things like, you know, pure gold mines, uh, Wallbridge and their good drilling discovery, the size of the ore body. Jag, I'm going to be very interested in seeing, uh, Jaguar, I'm going to be interested in seeing their earnings and their production for that matter. Uh, Free Gold Ventures, uh, I had a chat with management just to see how things are going. I still believe this company will easily find 10 million ounces. And the more I look at what an ounce should be worth these days, the more I think you can buy the stock just based on almost what they have already without any further high grade. But there's more coming there, so or hopefully more coming there. So I'm comfortable just living with these things. A lot of them have corrected a lot. Some of them have started to bounce already. Uh, but I'm not, I don't lose any sleep over any of them. Can can you reassure some of our uh, southern climate friends that the drilling and all the work continues, even though it's getting cold and dark up there? <laughs> well, it depends. Now, in, in the in the Golden Triangle per se, I think most of them have to shut down. I know Tudor, for example, I think Ken Conkin publicly said he hopes to drill to the end of November, but uh, that even the end of November, I'm sure, would be pushing it hard. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other things like Free Gold Ventures. They can drill all year round, and lots of companies prefer to drill in the winter, by the way. Uh, for example, uh, I think even Bonterra, uh, they like when things are frozen because then you can move things around on the, on the surface, whereas sure. if it's muskeg, you yeah. can't move things around. Yeah. And you get you get a more stable foundation for your drill pad. So uh, no, there's, there'll be lots of drilling in the winter. Not so much in the Golden Triangle, some, but... Uh, uh, certainly up in Alaska, where Freegal Ventures is, they can they're they're only 25 miles by road um, from Fairbanks, Alaska, so they they can drill all the time. Yeah, and we should point out too, we now have ended the third quarter, obviously, and we're going to start moving toward these earnings reports for the producing companies. A lot of producing companies, if you go back and look, we're reporting an average price per gold in the second quarter of around 1710, maybe 1720. The average price of gold during the third quarter, if you run just a you know sixty some odd day moving average, was nineteen thirty. Eric, that's fifteen percent increase. Yeah, I two hundred dollars. You know, a guy who produces a million ounces a year and he gets an extra two two hundred dollars. That's two hundred million dollars. That's not small change. Yeah, that's uh, that's very significant. You know, that's a lot of market cap there. No doubt about it. You would think that'll. Well, you would like to think that'll probably help us, but we've got a battle through October. One last thing that folks continue to ask about, Eric, you know, it is October. Stock market historically is, I don't know if it's coincidence or not, but I often had some difficult Octobers. A lot of people worried about, you know, what would, what do you think you'll do? What are your concerns if the, if the stock market in general begins to decline 10% or, you know, 15% or something sure. like that? Well, I find it instructive that even today, uh, just up to the start of this phone call that, you know, the market's under a lot of pressure because of the president having COVID-19. Um, gold and silver have hung in there, which is exactly what I'd like to see. And, uh, you know, there's still money around. So even though maybe everyone decides to sell their tech stocks, well, that doesn't mean they won't turn around and put some of that money in what's winning. Mm-hmm. And if what's winning is precious metals, I and a lot of people's eyes are, have been opened up to this in the last 12 months that were never open to this. So I think we stand a much better chance of surviving some kind of carnage in the general stock market and seeing gold shares rise. I mean, it happened in uh, 2001. It happened in uh, 
after 09 that the gold stocks just went crazy um, after having gone down quite a bit, but they went right back up again. So if, if you can be, if you can hold on and, and stomach some pain sometimes, uh, you, you get, you do get a big, big, big payday owning precious metal stocks. Yeah, no doubt. All right, let's, uh, we might as well begin to wrap up, but on your way out, please don't forget that this is all sponsored by SprottMoney.com with prices experiencing a pullback, as we all know, these last couple of weeks. You want to check out SprottMoney.com. We've recently added a number of new products. So you can call us also at 888-861-0775 to place your order or just simply ask questions to any of our folks on the team. We'd love to chat precious metals with you and all the reasons for owning some. We'll store it for you too. So again, SprottMoney.com or just call us 888-861-0775. My friend, it's always a pleasure visiting with you. I'm very curious to see what we'll be talking about next week. Well, there should be some news coming out, at least with the, the production numbers, and we'll have the earnings numbers to look forward to. Hopefully, drilling results. Drilling results have been very slow this year. I cannot believe how long it takes for all these companies that we're involved with to get their drilling results out. And I think it's just because there's so much drilling going on, and the COVID-19 is slowing down the labs, and it's a bit of a it's a frustrating experience. But uh, hopefully, we'll continue to see a slow rollout here and have more to talk about next week. Yep. Have a great weekend, Eric. Okay, thanks, Drake. All the best to you. And from all of us, it's Sprott Money News and SprottMoney.com. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you again next week.